0: Mic check, mic check. Well, it looks like we're ready to rock and roll with another podcast. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. My name is Dan Johnson. I'm your host. Some people know me by Dallas Fort Worth. That's a nickname I was given. Don't know when, but that's what it's on my plate. If I sound tired, it's because I am tired. I'm freaking exhausted. I've probably had about four hours of sleep in the past uh, two days. Uh, I don't know if any of you who listening out there have kids can relate kids. If you have a kid, you lose sleep. If you have two kids, you lose more sleep. If you have another kid, it's your own fault that you lost sleep. So I have two kids and, uh, (laughs) this week has been absolutely crazy. My son had a double ear infection, had a 104 degree temperature, took him to the doctor. They, uh, told us it was one thing then we then let's see Friday night we had to go to the emergency room because he had a bad rash they said it was one thing Uh, then we went to the emergency room again Saturday night and they told us it was or Saturday during the day and they told us it was something completely different so we're a little stressed out in our household right now. I'm breaking away to do some editing while my son is comfortable upstairs with uh, Mama. Uh, we're trying to get him hydrated and stuff. But all that said, we had I had to put I had to put shed hunting on the back burner this weekend to focus on the family. And uh, for those of you who have kids, I know you can understand kids uh, can sometimes throw a wrench in the spokes of life, but that's really what life is about. Now. Today, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking with Skip from Gearhead Archery. Now, Gearhead Archery is a bow manufacturer. And the crazy thing about this bow is they have it's a bow and they're axle to axle range on their bows goes from 24 inches to 18 inches so it's extremely short it's an extremely compact bow skip says that it's designed for uh backpack hunters out west so it's a lower profile lower weight and uh i'll be honest it's a unique looking bow i have yet to shoot it but um i think one of the local archery shops in my area might be picking it up so as soon as i get a chance to i want someone to uh or I'm going to go shoot it myself and, and maybe do a little review. But on the bow review podcast, I would love it if one of our listeners would go out and shoot this bow, one of the gearhead archery bows, either the 24 inch, the 20 inch and, or the 18 inch axle to axle. Let us know what it's like. Let us know if you would feel comfortable, um, at close ranges or at long distance ranges. Is it you know, is it what Skip says it is? Now, we'll just we'll just go ahead and we'll get into the actual podcast now. But like I said, if you guys want to, you know, take part in a, a bow review, hit me up ninefingerchronicles at gmail and um, go ahead and listen to the last bow review podcast, number eight. And uh, I I, I give a list of bows that have yet to be reviewed. So let's go ahead and uh, try to to, um, get those taken care of. That way we can have an unbiased and full coverage reviews of all these bows on the market. Now let's go ahead and get into this podcast with Skip from Gearhead Archery. On the phone with me now is Skip Peterson from Gearhead Archery. How's it going today, Skip? It's going pretty good going pretty good 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 so before we get into gearhead archery and uh, talk about this bow that you guys have uh, let's talk a little bit about how your se- your 2015 season went where would you call it success or would you call it a failure
1: uh, i'd call it a failure
0: i um <laughs>
1: yeah I, I drew an elk tag in in wyoming it was a limited draw i think i had six points to draw and um i had an area one tag and I ended up after turkey season, I got Lyme's disease, so then I had some joint problems and stuff. So I kind of worked my way through that, and I got down there elk hunting, and just um, my knee was giving me lots of trouble in the joints and stuff like that. So I, I had lots of close encounters. I, I did everything but shoot a bull. I called him in, I scared him away. I, <laughs> I had a really good time. It just towards the end, my knee just bothered me so much that it was just like, let's just go home. And then I found out uh, two weeks ago I did an, they did an MRI and it actually had nothing to do with the Lyme disease. I had a torn meniscus and I oh. actually go in for for <laughs> knee surgery in two weeks. So literally the whole fall I was battling uh, knee problems, which ended up being uh, I think an injury from working on my house. And it just so we're gonna get that taken care of here next week. So hopefully I can go into the fall a little bit uh, a little bit more mobile. Uh, the the deer season was good though and. Montana with the with the gun, I got a like a 140 inch uh, 11 pointer white tail, so it was that, that was pretty good. But the elk season was not not the best. So it took you six years to draw that tag, or you you had yeah. six points. I had I had six points. Um, I, I was actually wanting to draw over by Buffalo because I know that area better. So I put in for this area thinking there was no chance I was going to draw it, and then. I don't know if not enough people applied or or whatnot on paper and in the computer it looked like there's no way I was drawing that tag but I ended up drawing it and then I just went for it you know I tried it wasn't the area I wanted but I tried to make the best of it and and then and then my, my knee kind of pulled me down so
0: were, were the elk pretty active that
1: yeah you're out there? yeah really good yeah they were screaming I think that's the second day um, I got into two different herds I saw like 11 bulls in in the second day and I had a, I tweeted really close in encounters where I thought I was gonna get the herd bull and then he just kind of skirted me, but it was you know, yeah, it definitely raised the heart rate. And it was it was fun. But wow. uh yeah.
0: In a way that's kind of a success, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like that I I I did everything but, but shooting elk, so I kept my taxidermy bill a little little cheaper. <laughs> I guess that there's one one way to look at it. Now yeah. let's get into
0: this uh gearhead archery and I I was walking down the you know, you walk down the aisle of this trade show, the ATA show, and you mm-hmm. look at you look at the bow and you're like, you do a I, I did a double take and I'm just like, uh, what is that? You know, like it doesn't look like a regular bow, but it's a bow. But mm-hmm. before before we get into all the details, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh Skip about what you do for Gearhead Archery and um like fill us in on the company history as well.
1: Well, Basically, I'm a prototype machinist. I've been a machinist my entire life. Um, I also manage the machine shop here at at Gearhead. Um, We make robotic equipment for the glass industry, but we also have a whole company that are all hunters, very passionate about hunting. And when we got done prototyping this new bow, it was something that we just thought, as a group, that we could go with the market, go to the market, and market it ourselves, and just take it to the masses ourselves. Because you know, we have a 60,000 square foot facility. We have a full machine shop with all the latest CNC equipment, um, an engineering staff, uh, an IT department, and all of that that can really, you know, promote Gearhead to the next level. Um, the reason to back up a little bit, back in 2006, 2007, we actually, it was Paul Strapolsky and me, we would design bows, working prototypes where he would design it and I would machine it. And the goal was always to sell the technology to other companies. And so we'd go around and pitch our ideas to the CEOs and the engineers of all the, the other bow companies. And we're just looking to, to sell our ideas. And we ended up selling uh, one package of patents to a um to one bow company but this was something this bow here is the bow that we always wanted to hunt with um working in buffalo wyoming and hunting in the big horns backpacking in 4 or 5 miles you know we'd carry the heavy bigger bows and and going back to the vehicle at night it's just like you know it'd be so nice to have a backpack where you could just put that in and just kind of you just go so that was that was kind of the inspiration behind it and then once we we designed it and shot it 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 just shot so good that we're just thinking, oh, this, this is just something that we have to do it, it. You know, it's kind of what we're passionate about and we made it as small as we could make it with uh, and still hold a peep location. You know, if we would have made it a little bit um, any smaller, the peep would actually end up in your string track. So that's, that's where we started out was small. Um, and that was what we started promoting. And then we have, grown some bigger models since then um we came out with the the first model we made was a t18 which is 18 and a half inches axle to axle then the next model uh, was 20 20 inches axle to axle and now we've got a 24 and a half inch axle to axle bow so we got three different models that um Helps the people make the step from their bigger bows down to the smaller ones. The 24 and a half inch axle axle-to-axle bow actually helps bridge the gap a little bit better than going all the way from a, a giant bow down to an 18 and a half inch axle axle-to-axle bow. So it's, it's definitely been better for us. So,
0: so when you guys were sitting around going, hey, I got an idea for a shorter axle-to-axle axle bow, mm-hmm. uh, what, what were you guys thinking about? Why did you guys decide to go in this particular direction?
1: Um, that was the bow we wanted to hunt with. I mean we we were into the backpack style hunting. Um we knew we could carry enough kinetic energy and, and get it where it, it shot nice. Um after we we designed it it actually shot better than what you anticipate. You now when you're designing something and and that you're you're shooting the prototypes for the first time, sometimes you're blown away and this was one of those bows where it's just like, oh my gosh, there's just there's no hand shock with this bow. The back wall is totally solid. The balance is perfect. It's just there's certain things about it that, you know, you, you try to do the best design that you're doing, but, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're surprised to yourself. I mean, after the fact, we noticed that the position of our dead-end string stop is placed in a position where you can't string slap your forearm. So that was just a, an added bonus. And then the, the gap that we had between the side plates is the right size where you can actually put a GoPro and you can film your own hunts. So that was those are just certain things that kind of went along with it that you're just kind of like, wow, you know. So, so
0: you guys designed this bow <clears throat> specifically for out west backpacking to make it as small as possible and still function enough to to kill a, an elk.
1: Yeah, to be like a normal bow. I mean, last year I I hunted with the T18, and um, I. I like to shoot a heavier arrow more than a light arrow so i you know i was i was had 65 foot pounds of kinetic energy for my elk hunt um and that's you know that's kind of how we we designed it uh to carry you it is built kind of it's so robust i mean all the the inside of the, the riser plates have um bosses and the and the mating parts have pockets so it kind of goes together like a puzzle but in the end, that takes all your vibration out and it's really built as a as a truss or a box style shoot through riser. It's about the strongest riser that you can make just on its uh, mechanical um properties i mean it's
0: it's really strong so so that dual that dual riser almost mm-hmm. is is what helps take away that that hand shock
1: yes absolutely okay and and it's just also to the the finish that we put on the on the aluminum, we hard coat anodize it. So a hard coat anodize, it basically puts like an armored shell around the aluminum. If I have to remachine something that's been hard coated, it's very hard on the end mills. And it, it literally just, it, it changes the whole um, outer shell, probably within seven seven to ten thousandths of the shell of the aluminum becomes very, very hard. And it just, it, it maintains all the vibration internally. Okay. So, and also the, the past Past uh, parallel limb design also, you know, helps the energy go away from you and not go forward. So, gotcha. Now,
0: yeah. you guys have a couple different, um, couple different types. I know that you have the a re, like a regular compound, tw- like a T24 is regular, mm-hmm. and then you also have uh, what a titanium and a carbon fiber.
1: Yep. Yeah. We uh, we mill we we machine a titanium one just because that was something Paul always wanted to do. He's like, let's make a titanium bowl. he goes, it hasn't been done. Let's let's do it. So we we machined a we machined this one model on the T eighteen It's actually titanium. Um the carbon fiber we make in all three sizes and it's actually a true carbon fiber. It's got uh thirty two layers of um carbon in different different uh directions and pressed on It's really really stable, very well balanced. Um it's a lot of the other bows it's like a cast carbon or um I'm not sure what the real name for it is, but it's not. This I'm, I'm machining this out of a real sheet of of carbon fiber, um, quarter inch. So, gotcha. And it's really it, it's really hard on the machining. I mean, it clogs the coolant pump up and stuff like that. It's it's really it's not that much fun to machine, but for the properties it gives you in the bowl, it's, it's well worth it.
0: So what what's the benefit of having? Okay, so your regular riser is made out of. Uh, aluminum hardened aluminum correct yep yep 7075 uh, uh military grade aluminum yes. okay and then you have uh, a carbon fiber model what mm-hmm. uh, other than the obvious uh i guess other than the obvious light you know lightweight component the weight, of the carbon right. fiber is there any other benefits
1: it seems to have a little bit more um vibration control with the uh, with the carbon fiber i it's it's a little better. Um, it's not over the top but the the big advantage is the weight. Okay. Um like in our T twenty four, our T twenty four weighs uh three point five pounds and then the carbon fiber version weighs three point one pounds. Okay. So about point point four in the T twenty four. And then going to the titanium, uh the T eighteen, the
0: titanium riser, what's the what's the added benefit for a titanium riser?
1: Um its strength, I mean, the titanium is very strong. Weight-wise, you can take out, um, you can thin down the web a little bit more and still maintain the same um, mechanical structure, but it weighs more than aluminum. So the, the weight advantage is it's, it ends up being about the same. It's just you just have a lot stronger riser. I think a lot of it is just, it's almost for bragging rights, The actually a titanium bow. I think, okay. but that's that's my opinion
0: yeah because i mean i i look at that bow and you know uh, the 18 inch axle to axle and the price point i'm looking on the website is like 1950 bucks for mm-hmm. a titanium bow
1: yeah yeah so is that just
0: because titanium costs that much more
1: it it's costs that much more and it's uh it's really hard it's really hard to machine it's hard on the tooling to machine it um i know those one the T 18s that we made, I think, are all of our chamfering tools, and they were all carbide chamfering tools. They were shot after, after running two bows. I mean, it really, it really takes the, takes them, um end mills and bells them. So I mean, that's so the process. The process yeah, takes but, longer and it's harder on
0: the equipment. Yep, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. So I'm looking. At, you know, you look at this bow, and like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't. I mean, it just doesn't look like anything else that is out there which makes mm-hmm. it, you know, which makes it really unique. What um, do you have to have? I mean, they come in a whole bunch of different draw weights, anything from 40 to 70. And I think is 70 your current current max?
1: Yeah, 70s are top end. Okay. And it's available in all three sizes and 70s. So, so yeah. What's the difference? I mean,
0: do you draw when you're holding this bow? Do you draw it all the way back to your, you know, where a kisser button would be, or do you have to have an extended D loop on your ring, or on your, uh, on your string in order to get it back
1: to full draw? So, okay, so I shoot the T18. It has a 25 inch uh, draw length, and I'm a 29 inch, um, I'm a 28-9 inch draw. Uh, there's two different ways I can get back to my draw length. One is we make an extended release. Uh, True ball sells us the components, and then we machine the shanks to go from one inch, two inch, three inch, and four up to five inches. I can extend my length. Uh, so when I do that, I'll put like an O-ring on the on the shank of the extended release, and I use that as my kisser button. I actually bring that into the corner of my mouth, and that's my, that's my anchor. If you're a 25-inch draw, it fits you perfect. But... Um, Another way to shoot the bow is to make an extended D loop. Uh, there's there's two different types. One you can make just a regular D loop, and then for mine it would be four inches long, and I serve it every inch and a quarter or so, and so it's not so so loopy. And um, and then another way is just to put like a tail on it, where you just come off the regular D loop with a single strand that has another D loop on the back side of that. And what that does is it kind of divorces you from the draw cycle a little bit where when you put a release on a string you can torque it Manipulate the string a little bit, but when you have a longer D loop, it actually takes um, Takes that off the string where you I when I pull that back so I'll I'll put the corner um, The D loop right into the corner of my mouth, and that's actually my my anchor point with that Um, as we go bigger in the bullets like the t20 that has a that is a 27 inch draw length. So then my my D loop is just a little bit smaller than it would be on the on the T18. And when we move into the T24, uh, that's the cams are draw length specific. So I I can actually get a 29 inch cam where I can just use my regular release with uh, with the T24. Okay. When are there any differences in
0: mechanics of actually how you draw this bow back, or is it the nope. same as any other bow?
1: Yeah, it's actually the same as any other bowl. Also, too, like the the um, the sights, uh, the rests, anything you can put on a a normal size bowl you can put on this bowl. It's also got a stabilizer uh, adapter, so you can you can put a stabilizer on it. And you can you can rotate the stabilizer 360 degrees, and 180 degrees back and forth. So you, the adjustability of this bowl you can really do it, it's you can really do whatever you really want with it. Um, and it all you know fits in a backpack too. So we got to offer a, a pack that it comes with. That was kind of our thing, where if we're making a backpack bow, it should come with one. So we've we've got a, a backpack design for it.
0: Okay. Now you said that all of the anything that you can put on a regular bow, you can put on this bow. From like right. from a from a rest and uh, from a rest and a sight standpoint, how's that? Mm-hmm. How's that work with the arrow going between two risers
1: okay so the bow is designed so if if you look at it straight on the lens are offset to one side it's designed so your drawstring is perfectly positioned between your riser plates and it's also your your draw cycle is perfectly between your riser plates in the vertical position so what that allows you to do with this bow this is one of our patents is you can you can take out the um where your handle attaches, like if let's say you own a, a bow shop, and someone comes into you that's left-handed and you don't have a left-handed bow, with our bow within five to six minutes I can convert that bow from a right hand to a left hand without a bow press. I can just take the handle off, turn it 180 degrees, and then move my um, um, my cables over to the other side, and I can convert it to a, a left-handed bow, um, which is that, that's pretty unique. Um, And because of that I have to put sight locations on both sides of the riser plates. So I actually have locations top and bottom. We added a couple extra holes so you could you could put a Picatinny rail on it too. So if you wanted to you know, if you're bullfishing put a laser sight on it or if you want to put a flashlight to help you get to and from wherever you need to go, you can actually you you can accessorize it with anything like Picatinny and stuff like that. Okay. Other other than other than the
0: I mean the obvious light being lightweight and being compact and um are there any other added benefits i mean are you are you losing something by going are you losing any um performance by going down to a smaller axle to axle or a smaller riser or um this this type of you know with a shorter string
1: right i you know i just came back from a trade show i think i I must have fitted and had shot probably a thousand people through the shooting trailer this past weekend. And one of the main comments is "Well, how accurate is it downrange? You know, how far can you, you know, you shoot with this accurately. And, um, one of our guys here at work, uh, Jay, who puts them together, he's got a YouTube clip out there where he's, he's shooting with in, in the evening with, uh, lighted knocks, 80 yards. And he's grouping right in there. And the, the one shot, he actually does a, it's like a, almost a Robin hood. He takes a knock off the other one at 80 yards, but he's, he's laying them right in there. Another, another one of our dealers out of uh, Minnesota, he's, sh- you know, just for fun, he shoots out, you know, 80 yards at the T20, shoots out to 140 yards, and he's hitting like a five inch group at that distance. I mean, so they, you know, they, they shoot. I mean, and the nice thing about them is they don't have any hand shock. So like myself, I always had, um, I always had a lot of target panic because I was always anticipating the shock of the bow. You know, you just, you kind of end up, end up punching the punching your release and stuff like that um since i was shooting this it's like there's it's so predictable there's nothing there i just i just settle in and i i just have been shooting this so much better so so
0: what are some of the you know people walk by and or they 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 see it but they don't shoot it before they before they shoot it what are some of the the things that these you know that potential consumers might say before they see it i mean i look at it and i'll be completely honest with you i thought it was almost like a a gimmick type of product
1: i get a lot of kids bow i i mean this past weekend there's a lot of people they check like oh look a kid's bow and they're kind of smiling and, and like i'm like no kids bow come on over you know so i mean and then they shoot it and it's, oh, they almost have like a disbelief look on their face and they start to smile and they're like, let me shoot it again, you know, and then you give them another, let me shoot it again. And it's just like, it's one of those things where it, I deal with skeptical people all day long and I'm just, I kind of like bring it on, you know, and if I see someone with a, another bowl company's hat on or, or a shirt, I'm like, come on over, you know, and they're like, no, I shoot this and I'm like, well, I'm sorry, you know, but you know, and they over and shoot and they they get it i mean i did not i didn't have one negative comment in the whole show this weekend it was just everything was very positive and and then we've already got back here on monday and some of our dealers have called and they already said that you know a lot of people have have came in over the weekend and called and just inquiring on it so i mean it, it, it's definitely it's definitely it's a great shooting bullet if you have anyone there's so many people that pass judgment without shooting it, and I'm just right. saying before you have an opinion, you have to shoot it i mean- I mean that's just being silly just to say that well, it can't be this or it can't be that well, shoot it, please right. you know 'cause everybody so. you know everybody says that the longer the axle to axle
0: length on a bow mm-hmm. should get you better accuracy as far as being able to hold, you know hold the bow and have yeah. you know a better draw cycle and all and all that kind of things but what you're mm-hmm. saying is that's not necessarily true
1: no it's it's shooting very good for us good. and we just need to get you know more pro shooters out there shooting them uh paul our business partner he actually shot vegas with it um at that big vegas shoot, and he's not that good of a shot we need to, we need to him <laughs> a better. But i think i think he did well and you know I, he had fun with it he raised a lot of eyebrows and you know made a lot of contacts so it was it
0: was good so aside from aside from you know focusing on what's different about it what is what's the same about this bow compared to the rest of the bows
1: okay so basically our cam technology is the same as a lot of bows out there it's basically it's a a two-track cam um there's literally um i don't know can i give names on the show who's like i mean okay so basically it's a two track cam uh, it's it's similar to like what Botech uses obsession elite um darton actually darton owns the cam technology and that's who we pay a royalty to so you know it's basically their it's their technology that they license to all these other companies um the The intellectual property that is ours is the right to left um grip type thing where we we can convert it with no ball press and that. In uh, the side plates um, connected with horizontal members and riser design, you know that's, those are our patents on this. Um, we got a couple more that I'm not sure where they are with the issuing of them. So, so yes, I mean it's totally inventive. It's it's something new, you know. If anything, when there's something new out there, a lot of times it's tough for people to kind of grasp it and get a hold of it. But I mean, I'm just asking people to keep an open mind and and shoot
0: it yep for sure now i look at the price point here and i you know Mm -hmm. obviously i that's one thing we have to discuss and we we talk about um just a regular aluminum a regular you know your your standard aluminum let's say the uh the t24 i think it's here for roughly 1300 dollars, which puts it at the high end of Mm -hmm. bows that are currently on the market I guess is it is it more material? Is it less material? I mean, what is causing it to be more expensive than the rest of the bows on the market?
1: A lot of it is the materials. Um, we use 7075, a uh, military grade aluminum, where a lot of them on the market are, are 6061 or a lesser grade. Our aluminum in this bow is literally twice the price of the regular aluminum. Um, and then the hard coat anodizing adds cost to it, which, you know, some companies don't use. They just will, will process it and just do a regular anodizer or a dip on it. Um, but I really think that the hard coat anodizing um, helps, us with, helps us with the hand shock and just how dead in the hand it is um, by literally encasing your aluminum. Um, as for the string sets, you know, we use the top line string sets and... You know, quality. The grips are AAA walnut grips. Um, I guess it all comes down to the the cost of the materials put into the bow and the and the process to do that. Okay. Uh, the machi- the machining costs are you know a little bit. There's quite a bit of machining in in these bows as well, and they all come with a pack. You know, so I mean, they're actually it comes with its own. Device to carry it and pack in with it and stuff like that. So it's not just the 12.99. Just isn't the bow. It actually comes with its field pack as well. Um, okay. Last last year I went on a hog hunt in Texas and everyone gets in the suburban with their big plastic bow cases and I hop in the back seat and throw it on my lap and just kind of sit there and they're just like, next year we got to get one of those. You know, it's one of those things. Just from a, a packing standpoint, it's it's just it's it's just nice to travel with. So even if you. Like, uh, oh, when did I go on a fly? Oh, I flew into Arizona, and I literally just it, it packed in my in my check baggage. I mean, just easy. No, no one would ever think you had a bow in there, really. So, if I buy a T20 pack, or excuse mm-hmm. me,
0: a T20 bow, I'm getting a T20 mm-hmm. pack with it.
1: Yep. Yeah, or, or you can pick pick the next size bigger too. You could go with a T24 pack, and then you have a little bit more room. With you can put some different stuff in there for a year. Okay. Same thing if you if you pick like a, a T-18, you can go with a T-20 or a T-24 pack. But each uh, – the, the T-20 and T-24 will not fit into a T-18 pack, though. But that's pretty much yeah. – T-18 is all that one fits, but yeah.
0: So do you guys op- offer the option of some – like for someone who maybe isn't interested in the pack? Does that take money off the price of the bow?
1: It does, yeah. Yeah, okay. that will that'll reduce the price. So there's – that's kind of up to the dealer, to you know, to work that into it. But there was – we, we first, when we first started, everything was, it had to have a pack, it had to have a pack, and then, and at the end, the customer's right, you know, and they said, well, I don't want a pack, and I said, Oh, it comes with a pack, well, I don't want a pack, and you just, like, okay, we'll just knock this off, and, you know, there it is without a pack, so.
0: Yeah, because I'm, Um, you know, I'm, I'm here looking at the website, and I, you know, unless I'm doing some reading, it just looks like that's the price of the bow, but, um, but as far as the, speed is concerned and mm-hmm. some of the some of the I guess technical talk that goes behind that mm-hmm. are are you guys looking to break any records or is there is there a limitation to your guys's speed because of the shorter axle to axle
1: I don't well the thing of it is that the the speeds that we we put out there for on on our website and stuff like that for let's say the the t24 it's got speeds up to 355 feet per second, and the T20 is speeds up to 335, and the T18 is 325. I mean, all that is tested in the factory here with a 230 grain arrow, which is way less than what other bow manufacturers will even recommend. Um, for some bows, it's considered a dry fire, but based on our construction of the the riser, in that it can it can just withstand those those forces. Um, the theoretical IBO on this because the IBO would be a 70 pound bow, 30 inch arrow um, 30 inch draw and since we can't get to a 30 inch draw so we have a theoretical IBO on, on some of the models I think it's like a 337 or 340 would be the theoretical IBO on it um, so that's we're just able to shoot a much lighter arrow which makes makes the feet per second you know faster but um that's up to an individual. You can play speed games all day. I, yeah. One that I like to, I like to shoot a heavier arrow. I'm not so concerned with how fast it is. I just know a heavier arrow. Um, for me, I just like the, the
0: kinetic energy of a heavier arrow. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm definitely the kind of guy who I used to be speed, 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 and then yeah. I uh, was shooting a lighter arrow and I hit a, I hit a buck in the shoulder, and it didn't kill it, and mm-hmm. I. From that point on I started driving a Mack truck basically for an arrow. Sure. And yeah.
1: um so the, also too I noticed the heavier arrow you shoot through these bows the quieter it becomes. Like my elk my elk hunt I was shooting a, a full metal jacket and I was I was pushing pretty close to five hundred grain arrow and it was it just there's just like no noise. I mean it just literally with the more weight you can push the, the quieter the bow becomes. Yeah. So, from from sighting it in,
0: is is there any difference when you're sighting this bow in compared to, uh, I guess, a, a like a thirty four inch, uh thirty four inch axle to axle bow? Is are you going to have bigger gaps in your? Um, I mean, that a lot of that has to do with speed, but
1: right, I, I'm, you right. know, I'm
0: just asking because I don't know. Is there any any type of tuning or adjustment differences? I
1: no, I use the same technique for sighting in as this bow as i did many of my my previous bows
0: okay
1: um yeah i actually have a slider sight on mine and i shoot a, a follow away rest um where when, when i do the shows like i did this weekend we're all set up with whisker biscuits just because i'm not sure you know who's coming up and what what level their experience is and stuff like that so i just have made it as foolproof as possible just so it's more or less so people can feel the draw cycle i mean you only shoot in the length of a trailer but it's just so you can kind of feel what what you're shooting so okay now from the i guess
0: what am i trying to say here the uh from a oh i lost track i'm for the first time ever i'm going to have to edit (laughs) edit because i lost track of (laughs) i lost track of where i was going but all right uh, that's all right uh, let's see. What was I going to ask? Smaller but because more. Same. Oh, okay. Here, here it is. What, I guess, what is coming next for you guys? I mean, are you going to try to go smaller than 18 inches or are you going to work your way up to kind of compete in the, the larger axle to axle? What's, what's next? I guess, what are you guys, what are you guys thinking about for, for new products?
1: Well, we never stopped thinking here um to go smaller we're not doing that um we um we made the smallest bowl we could make and still hold a peep location with the T18 anything smaller your peep ends up in your string track and you just can't you just can't pull it off um when paul was out in um in vegas he said you know we need to make a target model you know he was he's kind of maybe going a little bit bigger um and then we ended up making a slingshot that incorporated some bowl limbs in a, a rubber band technique, and that's been a really big hit for us, too, for just for the bull fishermen and stuff out there, because it's literally, like, weighs a pound and a half, and it'll generate 220 feet per second. We actually, in our lunch breaks and that, we get out the chronograph and see how fast we can shoot it. And, of course, us, us taller people, with the longer wingspan, we can pull that rubber band back farther than... Most and right now the records at at 225, but we'll we'll see what we can do. Maybe we'll put some bigger rubbers on there, or something to get a little bit more more strength. But what it does is it incorporates limbs with a rubber band, so you have two different um, types of resistances that's causing you to to shoot. But that's I think that's going to be a real big product for us here. It just seems to be a lot of interest with that at the shows too. And then I think we'll probably get into the crossbow market here going forward a little bit. I think.
0: Are, are you going to try
1: to
0: are you going to try to do something different, uh, like shrink that axle to axle
1: length on a crossbow? Or yeah, well we'll have some fun surprises with that. I mean, it, it, the thing about us is we're not we're not coming to market with a me-too product. I mean, I think the market's pretty saturated with that. I mean, I think there's that end of the market into the the mid-range. There's there's plenty of companies out there that, that has that market saturated. Um, it just doesn't go off our whole mentality to say, oh, you yeah, know, I need to, I got a, I got a bow too. You know, so we're, we're always looking to do something do something different and make it worthwhile. I mean, it's not, I guess I just don't feel like we need to compete at something that everyone else is doing. Yeah.
0: Now, would you say that your, that your bow would be for someone who is getting introduced into archery or someone that is, already hardcore into it or are you or are you saying that your bow is is good for anybody who wants to try it yeah
1: i think i think it suits for for everyone Um from someone that's just starting out it's really unique because you have the shoot through riser design so if someone is having a hard time keeping an arrow on a string or something you know where they're just getting introduced that your arrow is very contained between the two to the two riser plates the only problem with that is our our price point for someone just getting into it is is kind of intimidating to to be at that level. Um, so I kind of look at it more like a hardcore. You know, if you're doing some pack backpack like sheep hunting or something like that, I, I could see us you know really shining there with just the lightweight when when weight means everything when you're packing in and having a having a weapon that weighs as little as possible that can still perform. I think that's a big thing and also um ground blinds. I I just see us anyone that's shooting out of a out of a ground blind it's really really good. But in stalking, tree stands, I guess it it kinda of fits pretty much every every avenue now that I, I think about it. I mean how many times you've been in a tree standing, you're up there and the limbs are in a certain position you can't you can't get your bowl positioned where you want to, or sometimes with a bigger bowl you, you hang them on a limb and then when something comes you have to stand up to get your bow. where here you can just stay sitting in your tree stand and just let the bow sit on your lap you know just it's it's, it has so many advantages
0: yeah now my one question is all right so let's say let's talk about the t18 for a second you you draw that back and let's say my my draw is between 29 and 30 inches so i I would have Mm -hmm. to have a fairly you know decent sized extension Mm -hmm. either through the release or through a d-loop a d-loop yep now when i put my peep sight in Mm
1: -hmm. isn't that the peep peep that'll be a long way from your eye actually
0: yep it's a long way from my eye so how do you how is that something that you just have to become adjusted to or is that is there different recommendations for that
1: well it's kind of surprising how easy it is to pick up your peep it's kind of i look at it like an open-sighted rifle you know the your rear sight is actually 12 to 15 inches from your eye and then your your bead is way out at the end of your your gun but still you can put your cheek on the cheek pad and you can line everything up and still shoot accurately when your peep is farther from your eye you know it traditionally the peep is right in front of your eye so when you're looking through it you see a whole lot of everything you know when the peep is farther from your eye your focus becomes really narrowed down and you can really focus in on what you're, what you're shooting at. Uh, the only drawback I've heard with that is, um, like some people line up the diameter of their peep with the diameter of their, of their sight so they can actually line it up, not so much centering the, um, the pin between your peep, but they're actually centering the round of your peep on the round of your, of your sight. Um, I just find that uh, with having it farther from my face, I I do shoot it more accurate because I'm my aiming is it's like aim small, miss small. You're just aiming smaller. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. So so here's
0: the here's the big question for you. Okay. You have a you have a guy who he loves to get new bows every year, or mm-hmm. hell, hell, even a guy who doesn't like to get a new bow every year. I mean, this is a bow hunting podcast. We talk about bow hunting yep. gear and equipment what you know he he walks into his favorite archery shop or he walks into uh you know a, a big box store wherever they're selling bows and for some reason there there is uh, a gearhead bow why should somebody consider a gearhead bow over all the other bows that are out on the market
1: cuz i think they shoot better they feel better i mean just the whole draw cycles better i i honestly believe they're they're a better bow from from the how they're produced and how they're put together to the design i i think it's kind of the future of, of archery
0: is is this bow 100 percent made in america
1: yes absolutely yeah. okay yeah all right so that's and we've and we've been you know there's been people coming to us just this past weekend there was a there's a company said, well, we can we can do this and that for you, and, they, and it's offshore, and it's just like no, that's kind of what we're hanging our hat on, you know. I mean, American made. I mean, it, it that's the thing, I mean, people they'll complain about the price point, but the only way to get the price point down is, is to go somewhere else. So I mean, right. we're I I believe we're going to stay where we are. I mean, it's not, I, I don't I don't like the alternatives. So I think as a as a company that we must stay American made right hey that's a good thing
0: now yeah. last question would be where can some I, I know you guys are currently working on building your your dealers, uh you know your dealerships but
1: mm-hmm. um
0: is there any particular maybe a big box store or if someone wants to try one of these bows where should they go to try and and shoot one
1: well they can go to our website where we're getting our dealer locations set up but i'm i mean literally i'm I'm on the phone most of the day talking with potential new dealers, and I'm getting in the vehicle and I'm taking it around and and showing people and it's literally every week you know we got you know three to five six six dealers coming on board um as for the big box stores the the one I'm working on pretty hard right now is shields i think that's that would be a real good fit with us um to have the bows and the shield stores. And I've met with uh, three or four of the stores and everything's been very positive with them. So I'm thinking it'll happen here pretty soon.
0: Did you uh, happen to talk? I I live next to the Iowa city shields. Mm -hmm. Have you talked to those guys?
1: Uh, This next week, we're actually going to be in um, Des Moines for the the deer show in Des Moines this next weekend. Uh, So I'm going to go over there on Thursday and try to meet with the the people at shields. Oh, perfect. Perfect. so yeah, are are you coming to the deer show next weekend? You know,
0: I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. I got some family things, but uh, okay. But I uh, I really wanted to because I I was I was going to go there and I knew you guys were going to be there. So if you're listening mm-hmm. out there and you're going to go to the Iowa Deer Classic, well,
1: yeah, time, come and shoot. Yeah. Come and shoot. We'll have we'll have plenty of shooter models there. You can shoot the T18, T20, T24, and the carbon and uh, the aluminum. Whatever whatever you want to try you know so i'm, I'm not but nor- normally when i bring people in the shoot i usually start them with the t24 because it's easier to bridge the gap and then i'll take them down and i'll say you want to shoot the smallest bull you'll ever shoot and then i kind of fit them into the into the t18 and and uh and they're like there's no difference and i go "I say, yeah the only thing that's different is smaller and easier to pack so what the- theres there there is two states though that's uh the T18, the T20 is not legal, in just because of the, the overall size, and that's uh, Montana and, and South Dakota, they have a 28-inch a outside cam, to outside cam rule. So that's um, that was another reason to come up with the 24. It kind of gets it's, it makes us legal in all 50 states.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's a weird weird rule, but uh, okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. It, it should kind of go on. Well, the thing is I think some of those rules were done before the technology has come to the point where it has today yeah um so there there's still at that time that rule might have seemed like it really fit the bill but i nowadays i I don't with with what's available to cam design and the to limb technology and all that it, I think it it needs to be changed but well we we just made a different bow, so we'll be okay.
0: What uh, what other states are you going to try to? Do you got any other shows? Because I'm not sure if this podcast will launch before mm-hmm. this weekend. But uh, other what other what other trade shows are you going to try to make it to this year?
1: Okay, so we're going to be at Wisconsin on uh, the first weekend in uh, in April. That'll be the, the first, second, and third. And then Pope and Young is having a rendezvous in uh, Poinette, Wisconsin. They're talking like upwards of two to over two thousand shooters, and they have like nine different courses that you can come in and shoot so it's all shooters coming from from, from all over america that that's going to be going to be there shooting in um and pointing at wisconsin And we'll probably do deer fest in wisconsin too i mean it's kind of nice to stay close to home but i know that we, we're going to have to reach out and go go a little bit farther too i think maybe next year um we definitely got to hit pennsylvania like the harrisburg show and stuff like that and of course we'll do ata and those shows again but uh, literally with the show circuit you could be gone every weekend if you wanted to
0: yeah that's a fact i've i've been yeah. on that road before yeah Yep. well skip uh, i tell you thanks for coming
1: on the show and uh repping the product i appreciate your time well thanks for having me and uh yeah again you can go to our website check it out and and we'll continue to put more uh more videos up we're also too um we're on the journey on the outdoor outdoor channel with dave watson so i mean someone wants to the the product being used. Um, he's been they've been knocking down a lot of good animals with it. So. And that's
0: uh, GearheadArchery.com, right?
1: Yep. Okay. Yep. Perfect. You can like us on Facebook too. We're always putting stuff up there.
0: That brings us to an end of this week's podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening and downloading and liking and sharing and all that stuff. I'm going to keep it short because i got to get back upstairs to the boy. But, uh, hey, if any of you guys have been out and have been able to find any sheds, I don't care if they're big or small, send pictures to ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com and I'll go ahead and throw them up on uh, the Facebook page or maybe the Twitter profile um, and just uh, share your guys' experience. If you guys have a a cool story that you want to tell in regards to bow hunting a whitetail i have uh the the hunter profile podcast that i do as well so if you got a good history with a buck or a a different kind of experience that you think would make a cool story uh hit me up as well ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com and uh as always thanks for listening and wear your damn safety harness